0: This is Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. You are listening to the Carrera Podcast. Today, our guest is Robin Vieira. Robin leads the global education at Punahou School in Honolulu, Hawaii. As the largest independent school in the United States, Punahou provides students opportunities for both travel and global curricular connections from kindergarten through 12th grades. Robin's research focuses on cross-cultural conceptions of critical thinking. Over the past 16 years of teaching, she has taught kindergarten Throughout graduate school. Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for being here with us. Can you please share with us your preferred social media outlets for listeners to connect with you on?
1: Uh yeah, probably Twitter. Robin underscore Vieira, I I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can Uh, can fact check that later if you want, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome.
0: Awesome. Okay. Okay, so can you share with us and the listeners what is Punahou School in Honolulu like? Can you give us like an overview?
1: Yeah. Um, so we're we're the largest independent school in the in the country. We were founded in 1841 by uh, missionaries with land given to us by the Hawaiian elite. So we're a very old school. We're a very large school. Um, and with that, seek a lot of tradition and a strong alumni network and um, very rich sort of values and educational programming. So we ha- our, the aims of the Punahoua education are what guide our philosophy and instruction. And those are something you might see around 21st century skills, integration of social emotional learning. Uh, but some of the things that I think make it unique are Something you might see in our aims are around Hawaiian values, engaged citizenship, interconnectedness, engage, embracing diversity, and I think some of those are the things um, that make Punahou unique in terms of its values.
2: You know, and, and that was that was one of the things that um, that I saw. And can you can you explain to the to the listeners because many. Many schools really don't do what, what what you're doing with regards to integrating culture and, and values of their of their communities. Can you can you share with us how how Punahou does that?
1: Yeah, so the name Punahou actually comes from Ka-Punahou, which means the new spring. And if you were to visit our campus, the the center of the campus, there is a spring. It's a freshwater spring. It's natural. And it comes up from the ground, and it gives sort of life to the school. It's this symbol of renewal um, and rejuvenation. And it's also kind of considered the the pico of the school, which is the pico is kind of the Hawaiian word for belly button, but it also means a lot more than that in Hawaiian, sort of like that centering, that centering place. Um, And so with that, you can kind of get the sense of it's the center of our school, it's the name of our school, and it's what what guides us as a school. And so... um, 25. I mean, it was founded by missionaries, and 25 years ago, Dr. Jim Scott became our first president with Hawaiian ancestry, um, and one of his missions was to um, bring back much of the Hawaiian culture and the Hawaiian language, and that that sense of connection to place. So, with that, we started the Kualahilani Center for Hawaiian Studies. And it's not really meant to just be a center on campus that houses the Hawaiian culture, um, but it's really meant to be sort of that central hub that supports the whole school in integrating Hawaiian values and that, that connection to the land. So you might see that um, if you were go up to our, our K1 neighborhood, first thing in the morning, they all um, gather for, it's called pico time. Again, this word pico, this gathering centering place. Um, And you'll see them doing a Hawaiian chant, the oli. It's a morning morning chant in Hawaiian. Um, And then they go on with their day. They also learn Hawaiian language three times a cycle, which is a six-day cycle, that they learn Hawaiian language. So there's a language component. They also learn Hawaiian language in third grade, fourth grade, and it's um, one of our elective languages as students move through the curriculum. but it's integrated. You know, we have an outdoor education program, and with that, they might be studying the stars and learning the Hawaiian words and the Hawaiian constellations that might have guided voyagers to Hawaii. Or, um, I mean, Hawaii is a it's a navigation um, culture, and so they learn about that. Let's see. Um, when I, I mean, I work in global education, but. And sometimes people view those almost in conflict, the sense of Hawaii and the sense of going global, Mm. but they're not in fact at all. They're very, very connected. You know, every time, you know, I mean, something as simple as a mystery Skype, you know, will always end with an oli mahalo, like a a thank you chant. And um, we feel that that's our responsibility to share about our place, share about who we are and where we come from as we we go out into the world.
0: That sounds really interesting. And I kind of want to go to that school so I can learn (laughs) all of those things and go back. (laughs) That's awesome. We were looking at your website and it's super thorough and definitely more than most K-12 schools and universities. Um, And Fred, I guess, has been there this week. And so, and as you've been mentioning, Hawaiian culture is integrated within its academics and its values. And basically, the whole community and the school's culture are all blended together. Can you talk a little bit more um, about how it's blended into the academics other than the chant that they do in the morning and then the language piece that you just spoke about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our third grade year is Hawaiian studies year. Um, So all year students will be preparing almost for this culminating activity, um, which is the luau. And Fred actually saw them starting to set up for the luau. And they start the year by, um, they go and they pick out their, a gourd, they go to the gourd farm. And it's, to make their IPU. And an IPU for listeners who don't know is you know when you see people doing the hula, they might um pa 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 and they kind of tap on this gourd-like <laughs> musical instruments. So that's that's an IPU. And so third phase the year you receive your you you pick out your IPU and your ipu picks you. Um and so you go and you get this gourd and then you'll go to the beach and you'll you'll take the sand and you'll sand all around the gourd and make it smooth and you'll soft the top. You'll dig out the middle, and it, it might take them a whole semester to actually finish their ipu. Hmm. But that is something that will stay with them through a lifetime. You know, I I know alum who who have their ipu, and that's that's a very special thing to them. Hmm. Um, but they also spend that whole year learning Hawaiian songs. Um, the, for the luau, they'll harvest the, the sweet potatoes in the garden. Uh, they'll prepare the food and um, play makahiki games. And, and that's something that's also integrated into our PE classes is um, their makahiki games, Hawaiian games that they might play at a festival. Um, I just went with a class, it's a seventh grade class, they're learning, it's a, their curriculum's rooted in the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So it's a year about global connections. And something they were doing, they were going to Iolani Palace, which is the palace of the Hawaiian Kingdom, where Queen Liliuokalani was imprisoned during the overthrow of Hawaii. And we went with the purpose of making global connections. So, I mean, something that's fascinating as King Kalakaua, he he was the first um, leader to circumnavigate the whole globe in 18, I think it was 1881. And he was a, I mean, he was thinking ahead of his time. And so gathering and making treaties with different countries. And here this is this teeny little kingdom who's really looking out to the whole whole world. And so I think, I guess that's an example of how within a curriculum of global studies, there's always that connection back to place and how that might connect to to where you come from. Um, All of our students go from kindergarten through at least fifth grade, they learn hula and chants once a cycle. Um, well, maybe not quite that much, but they they prepare all year for our our May Day celebration where they dance and um, and also do chant. Um, and all again, all of our outdoor education activities are really that integration of
2: place and Hawaiian culture. And and one of the things that that I I, I would want, wish for you to speak on is. Um, a couple things. One, the the opportunities where your where your students actually get to travel throughout the yeah. world. And then, if you could talk about that. While at the same time, yesterday I was amazed that there was um, of, of that, and I and I want to talk to that to that one girl who um, did that boat. The and it's you know, you know and it's not just a boat. I mean, it's a shipping vessel type of thing. If you could you know if you could talk about that too and and, and help. And how she thought about that and the and the specialized type of 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 curriculum that you that you offer.
1: Yeah, yeah, sorry. So this is actually a important part of the response to Malia's original question. So one of our programs that really speak to the Hawaiian culture integrated to our curriculum is our new voyaging program, which is really exciting. It just launched this year. And it was really the brainchild of a student who started work on it about two years ago. Her name is Dylan. Um, And she's, she's part native Hawaiian. I think she was on one of the outer islands with family and just talking about the value of voyaging and the culture of Hawaii in terms of navigating the seas. And she was like, why don't we have this at Punahou? This is really an important part of educating someone in Hawaii. Um, and so she worked really hard. She developed a course proposal. She worked with the mentor. And just this year we went ahead and we launched the class. So it's a class that's taught by, by actually three teachers, two of which have sailed on the Hokulea, which is, um, a very well known, um, Hawaiian sailing vessel that circumnavigated the globe and who, um, is really famous here in Hawaii and, uh, and hopefully globally. So it's taught by two teachers who had sailed on the Hokulea, and the class is about teaching students to navigate using the stars, how to tie the knots that you might want on a sailing ship, but also about this idea that um, the ship isn't the, the vodka. Um, the, the sailing canoe is an Island and the Island is a canoe. And it comes back to this idea that you, you live on this, this canoe and you need to have food security. You need to cooperate. And it, it comes back to this idea of like sustainability and caring for one another and using what you have. And so they learn a lot about sustainability and what it means to care for your Island and, and your home. So they do go out sailing. So along with this voyaging program, they're actually building a canoe right now. So right now they're so far, they have the hulls, they work in the woodworking shop to build different parts of the canoe. They're putting together, um, I actually don't even know all the names of it because they're, they're more technical. Um, so they're working with their hands. The other day I went in and they were having a timed test on tying up all the knots and raising a mass and seeing how how long it took them to do that um so it's a it's a really neat program and it's something that will i think will continue for some time and allow our students to get out on the water and experience this firsthand
0: yeah tell us a little bit about your Uh, travel
1: programs so along with this idea of connection to home and place. We really, you know, you want students to be rooted in their place and then have that to give them the wings to to travel and to, to be part of a more global society. So this is part, um, this is where it leads into my role, is about global connections. So global connections we do from K through five are more virtual connections where they're connecting to students from around the globe. And then starting in grade five, we have our first travel program, which is our fifth, we have an exchange with Keo Yoshisha School in Japan, which is um, one of their oldest schools and a very prominent school. And we have send our fifth graders there for eight days and they stay in a homestay. They go to the school, they travel with their Japanese buddies, and then we do the same. We host them and we teach them about Hawaii and homestay them. Um, in sixth grade, there's an opportunity to, they study ancient civilizations. There's an opportunity to travel to Rome and further that study. Wow. wow. We have another trip to Tamagawa School in Japan. We have a partnership with a school in Sweden. Um, and we have our eighth grade, seventh and eighth graders who can travel to Sweden, again, a homestay, and then they travel to Hawaii. Su Qingling in uh, Shanghai, China. Is another one of our exchanges. Um, not only just our China, Mandarin language students, but any of the students can attend that one. And this spring, we will be sending our. This will be our first trip for middle school students to Aotearoa, to New Zealand, and they'll be uh, doing some homestay with students there and learning about um, culture and place there as well.
0: How long are those homestay like uh, activities?
1: Yeah, so uh, for a couple of them that I mentioned, they're usually about eight days. Uh, for our New Zealand trip, it will ju- they're just going to be two days because they're going to be traveling to different locations. I see. And then we again have a lot of high school programs. Um, there's a our final course, senior year, is called Capstone. It's a combination of service um, and project, and students working on projects. And so we also have we're launch. There's um, Students travel maybe for that maybe to Bhutan, Senegal this year, Thailand this year. And there's an Alaska one which is really interesting. Um, wow! They go to a billing festival. Um, so and it change it changes every year. Oh, there's um, a class running to Germany to study Holocaust and human behavior as part of our European studies. Interesting. Course. Sure. Yeah. So I mean I'm going on and all. I, it, it really, I mean, it generally changes along with the curriculum and how teachers teachers can propose a travel to go yeah. along with their curriculum and we just work with them to help develop that and make it
2: accessible to students. And and I think that's if, if you could talk talk about that too, because um, one of the things that I was learning about is how teachers could actually create their own their own curriculum, which as you know, um, teachers aren't able to do that. (laughs) So, so, so so tell us about, about that. And if if you could share some of the, um, some of the ideas and, and creative ways in which which teachers have implemented a variety of different tasks.
1: Yeah. I mean, Punahou is really just an amazing, I mean, people call it sometimes Disneyland for teachers (laughs) because you can reinvent yourself in a lot of different ways, going from teaching different things, but also just because within your curricular area, you have a lot of space to reimagine um, what the curriculum might look like. So there's, you can propose a pilot course, which um, I can talk about some of the ones that I've done in the last year. Um, had So, for example, our junior year is European Studies, and uh, my husband, actually, uh, the last two, three years is now, he proposed a European philosophy course. So it takes Whoa. more of a philosophy, he was interested in philosophy, that's sort of his background, and he wanted to look at it through a philosophy lens. Wow. Uh, to an English and a social studies teacher this year, we're really excited about um, looking at bias. And so they launched a sophomore class this year called Bias Studies, BS for short. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and that's a transdisciplinary class where where they're looking at maybe BS in the news or bias as well. Um, Wow. So there's just a lot of space to to innovate within the curriculum.
2: Wow.
0: That's really interesting. I like that uh, there's the freedom... Both inspiration from students and teachers that can focus and guide the curriculum and the course development at your school. That's it. Does sound like a really fun place
2: to work?
1: It, it really is. I'm not gonna lie.
2: Um, can you can you talk about your the Project Zero Eden walks with your first graders?
1: Yeah. So you kind of had asked me a little bit about a couple of projects that excited me. And I thought of one that I wanted to think of one that took a little bit more work on the teacher's end. And then one that was, it's just super easy to just jump in and participate. Um, And one of those that's really easy just to participate is Project Zero's Eden Walks, which are really fun. They are, they're modeled after, it started as a collaboration with a National Geographic fellow Um, uh, Paul Sandobek, I'm pretty sure is his name. And he is currently walking. He's still walking. It's been a couple of years. He's uh, retracing the um, human migration, um, starting, I think, in East Africa. And it's really an exercise in slow journalism and talking to people and, and getting a sense of their stories. And that's what inspired these Eden walks. And so that's what our first graders are doing. They're They're slow walking, they're slow looking, they're making connections and they're telling stories. So this particular Eden walk that um, I worked with some first grade teachers on is called Planetary Health. So we didn't trace the whole migratory pattern of humans for multiple years, but we did walk our neighborhood. And something that our students, really many of them had never done. We have a community garden uh, 0.8 miles away from our school, um, and they had no idea. And so we walked there, and we slow looked along the way, noticing things along the way that might impact human health or planetary health. So they might see a drain, and and we might stop and have a conversation about where does that water go? Um, oh, we see we see some water rip coming down. Where where has that come from? Um, let's look at this tree is this native to hawaii no what does that mean how many natives do we see not many why um, in this this um, community garden these people are growing food how does that affect the health of people and the planet so it, it, as you can tell it, it has this kind of really rich conversations yeah. and then you come back and it's you you have a walking party and this walking party is we're in a party of us, a school in the UK, and a school in Los Angeles. And the idea is that you you kind of you post what your your walk, um, and then Project Zero is known for their visible thinking, well, among many things, uh, visible thinking routines. And so you'll do some visible thinking routines, probably like a see, look, wonder, um, using some of the postings from the other class, where you're it just they're just routines that help students think more deeply um, and go beyond the surface. And so there's a sense of sort of interacting and a global component, but also looking at where you are and, and being a slow journalist. And there's there's multiple activities um, about making connections and looking at the causes and then moving towards action. But what I sort of love is that I looked at the curriculum and I was like, there is no way my first graders can do this. And they could. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was just blown away. Um, and I mean, they're not even my first graders, they're the teachers' first graders. I, I, I support them. Um, but just the level of deep, thinking that they were making cross connections like what's the connection between litter and so much concrete like and oh, they can, make. They yeah. can make wow. them. and what are the causes and what are the effects and like what can can we do and they made, they ended up making these really sweet little PSA videos um for <sighs> one class and another class um you made a page in a story about like what if this animal disappeared and really thinking about the whole ecosystem um, and what would happen if if a species disappeared
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so I was just I mean I love that it was a low floor and a high ceiling. You could really mm-hmm. just jump into this project um, and and do what you wanted with it, but it really facilitated um, some higher order. Um, thinking for. And it's for kids from kindergarten through 12th grade. They have a series of projects that you can opt into.
0: I was actually just listening to a a different podcast and they talked about how important just walking is Mm -hmm. for creativity and just brain function and clearing your mind and they've done a lot of research on how it does have such a positive effect. So I like that that piece is included into this project because, and then you said slow walking. So, you know, often we're walking and on our phones and talking or whatever, but this is a very deliberate process of observing and just talking about what you observe. So it just seems very thoughtful.
1: Totally, totally. And it goes along really well with a lot of the work that our K-1 teachers do around close looking. That is that is a big part of their curriculum about slowing down, looking closely at things. They do a lot of observational drawings and just looking at a leaf for a really yeah. long time. Um, and it's there's a lot of research I think around the social emotional benefits as you mentioned and, and creativity as you mentioned yeah. as well. Yeah. So it just it fits really really well with the philosophy of our early childhood
2: teachers. Now, now you have a you have a very diverse background. Um, tell us now, and and and, and I say that in, in in terms of the the different grade levels in which in which you have in which you have taught. Is there one grade level from kindergarten all the way up through graduate school that you prefer?
1: Yeah, gosh. Um, you know, my job is really fun right now because (laughs) I teach all of them. I'll go in for an hour and we'll do this really awesome activity. And then I leave and, um, I don't have to follow up with any (laughs) of the students who had, conflicts with each other or any of the tears. Um, not that I'm causing any tears. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so I love when I push into early childhood K-1. Okay. They're just so fun and so curious. Um, but I, I have to give it to those teachers because they are better teachers than I am and are really quite amazing at the... I think getting back to the idea of being slow and thoughtful, you really need someone like that with them. And um, I don't think I'm good enough to really be, uh, I I did teach kindergarten, but I'm probably a better fit for maybe fourth grade where they still have that sense of curiosity and um, getting to know their world, but they can do a few more steps in order um, And they're a little more situated in their world by then. So I'm going to say fourth grade is is my sweet spot. (laughs) Okay,
0: That's good. So you're just pretty much doing your dream job right now, though, too.
1: (laughs) I really am. I get to I really get to be with all grades. I mean, I teach ninth grade some days. I teach kindergarten some days.
0: Do you have any other innovative programs or projects that you and your students or teachers at your schools have been doing that you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, so I've been um, I've been excited about these new series of courses that we just launched this this year. They're called GSD Global Sustainability by Design, and they're all transdisciplinary courses for ninth graders. Um, whether it be a combination of art and social studies, English and social studies, and the last one is science and social studies. So, really, what connects them is that they're all um, all the curriculums based on the UN sustainable development goals. Uh, we, they're all fo- have a focus on social, emotional learning, this idea that they're collaborating on teams to do, do something action oriented for, for their, their communities or the world. Um, but that it takes, it, it takes collaboration. And we often assume that kids can just collaborate and work together if yeah. the more they, they do it, yep. but we've, we really tease that apart a part of it, and we have a bunch of explicit lessons and curriculum that we're teaching for collaboration and for for listening, for paraphrasing, for how you manage conflict. Um, so I think that's something that makes it unique. Um, we actually had a consultant come and work with us from the Institute for Social Emotional Learning to support us with that aspect of the curriculum. Um, I think just so the overarching theme of it is that if we're going to solve some of the world's problems, it's not gonna just take English people, it's not just gonna take scientists, it's not just gonna take engineers. It's going to take people from all different disciplines um, bringing their minds and their expertise together to to do some really neat things. So from these three courses, we now have a a 10th grade course where all of these different strands. So in the freshman year, they might have um, engineered a solar cooker. They might have, one group's working on engineering a solar powered uh, cart that can drive around our campus. Another in the art class, They're creating kinetic art that makes a statement about climate change. In the English social studies class they're making a website and they're building um, a a platform for student voices around goal 16, peace, justice, and strong institutions. And so then all these kids will come together now in their junior year with all these different skills and they'll work with mentors in the community um, and hopefully bring those together in these really diverse teams um, and do something really cool, even though their freshman year was really awesome too. Um, <laughs> but they have the option to extend this in a, a smaller group, kind of cohort style.
0: How many of the students choose to do that?
1: So it was a pilot this year. We had 180 students sign up for it and we accepted 60 this year. Um, wow. course. and it's also being assessed using competency based, um, competencies yeah so it's a really new way of assessing it's um project-based learning and transdisciplinary learning isn't entirely new to us it's not that's not that new yeah. but the curriculum is new um, and so this second year the same we've now doubled the section so we were able to accept 120 out of about 180. Wow. Uh, students who signed up
0: for it how do you determine who gets to take the class
1: I know it's brutal uh it's, <laughs> it's pure lottery because oh, okay. at the end of the day we, we can't
0: okay that seems fair then wow yeah. but that's I mean that's a really good indicator that you're whatever you're doing is is right and maybe do more of that
1: <laughs> yeah it's a, it's really I mean we've been so people People said, you know, new courses don't get much enrollment. People have to, like, test them out. Just be patient. Yeah. But there was clearly a desire, kids had a desire to be doing things that felt meaningful, that felt hands-on, yeah. that felt um, connected to the world that they live in.
0: It sounds really fun. I also want to take that class. So I'm going to go to your school
2: and I'm going to take that. Me too. I was in
1: there yesterday watching this girl doing something. She was taking apart a machine so that she could see inside and then recreate it on Rhino, which is a design program on the computer, and then 3D print it. And I said, lady, I have no idea how to do any of what you're doing. It's sort of humbling.
2: Right. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty impressive. In fact, in fact, yeah, if your if your president ever listens to to this, and you should share this with them, um, let them know that there's two educators here that would like to teach there. Okay.
0: <laughs> the whole time you've been talking, I'm like, man, maybe after I'm done here in Germany, I'll go move to Hawaii and
2: teach there. <laughs> that's right. I've done that
1: many ways, many times before too. I mean, yeah, I feel blessed. Uh, I think this is my sixth year. Yeah, it's my sixth year at Punahou.
2: So, so there's like a lot of things going going on there, and and obviously you're you're connected in so many ways. What are some of your dreams and aspirations as an as an educator for your own students, but then also for yourself?
1: Yeah, I think those are actually pretty connected. Um, you know, it. I'm actually this. The, pressing an awesome time of my life where that dream job that I have always kind of kept my eyes on and worked towards, I've I've achieved. So it's amazing, but then it's also scary not knowing sort of what is that next professional, oh, yeah. professional goal. And so I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think it is the answer to the second part of your question. Um, and it, it comes less from my own sort of personal ambitions to, around student learning and thinking about how to continue to work this position in which I'm in um, to have greater impact. You know, Punahou School is always, um, Dr. Scott, the former president had always said, Punahou School is a private school with a public purpose. And that is something we we work towards. You know, it, it's a school enclosed by a lava rock wall that surrounds the school, with these beautiful night blooming cereus that are actually quite spiky, um, mm-hmm. all all around the school. And so it's this idea of like bringing down the school walls and 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 serving our community. Um, we don't want to just be this elite bubble within the island of Hawaii. So I'm just thinking about professionally as director of global education at Punahou, um, what does that mean to build connections to to people who um, live both near and far away and um, to engage in some some common work? I have lots of dreams of sort of different ways to to do that, um, but would like to continue this idea of a private school with a public purpose.
0: That's awesome. And I also just as you were talking about how you were connecting globally to schools worldwide, but as you're talking about a lot of this Hawaiian history and just this culture piece, I grew up in the Midwest and I didn't know any of this. Like I thought of Hawaii as being this great like vacation spot that like rich kids got to go to and I couldn't and just never really knew how different It is like it's part of the U.S., but it's so very, very different than any other place in the U.S. and just unique in the world. And um, I think with part of that goal is just even bringing that awareness to other kids that learn in the U.S. as well, I think would be something that would a lot of people would benefit from.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what I think Hawaii is trying to make a turn and I think there's a role we can play as a school and, you know, visit Hawaii. It's part of the economy. We appreciate it, but we also want to share the real Hawaii with you. We yeah. don't want to share the stereotype. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be learned and um, it's, it's a really special place.
0: I got to go for my first time last summer for like one night and it was beautiful and I did not want to leave but <laughs> I certainly will try to make my way back but also I I do when I travel I prefer to do the local off the beaten path non-touristy you know, touristy things and I think you and we've had a couple other guests um, from Hawaii that have shared just the strong connection with the culture and then the environment and the earth and um, I just I love that piece and how seamlessly science and math and language arts and all of these things fit into those aspects that don't need to be separated out into, you know, a class that students take notes on while the teacher puts up slides on the, you know, smart board. uh, (laughs) uh.
2: Um, What are, what are some qualities Robin that you would like that you would like to see since you were, since you have taught graduate, what are some qualities that, that you would like to see for teachers?
1: Yeah. So I I used to teach, um, at Johns Hopkins graduate school of education. And so I, I did do some teacher training there. Um, and something when I just, I work with teachers every day. And then some of the teachers that stood out with me when I was working with them are just the, I mean, this and this goes for why I love kindergarten. Um, curious, right? Just really oh, yeah. curious and wondering and searching out the answers to those curiosities. Whether it be like why the sky is blue, because that's like what a kindergarten asks. But you know, in graduate school, why do we teach math this way, or what are some other ways? Let me let me dig into some of the literature and 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 what see what other schools are doing, and let me take that, that sort of risk to explore something else. And so I think um, I love, personally love working with teachers um, who are, want to try something new, are curious about how it might impact student learning um, and are willing to take um, not a huge risk that's gonna do anything wrong with kids, but um, yeah. take that sort of professional risk to, to explore.
2: You know, I, I think you, I think you hit it on the on on the head because when, when you were talking about that, I was reminded of that poster I saw years and years ago that that said everything that I that I need to know I learned in kindergarten. <laughs> <There you laughs>
1: know. Yes.
2: Yeah, and, and I think oftentimes we we as teachers forget about that um, mm-hmm. that that we do need to be curious. Um, you know, not, not just about the content, not, not just about, um, about the new gadget that's out there, but we need to be curious about each and every kid within our, within our classroom about, you know, how, 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 what, what can I do in, in order, you know, in order to make this kid smile or, you know, and able to get them to where they are now, you know, just to like, to the next place or their next level of development. Um, and so, so yeah, I really, I really like that. That that really sparked something in me that I'm going to now share with all of my students.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way you bring it back to being curious about kids because that's that's huge. Yeah.
0: So as we wrap this up, we like to ask our guests what your call to action is. Basically, a one thing that they could take away, what you want to have educators take away, or future students, however you want to take that.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's something, well, you know, my call to action is when I ran Jonathan Kozol's Savage Inequalities, and then I heard um, Wendy Kopp speak Um when I was in college graduating and talking about how she founded Teach for America. And so I think the call to action is noticing or being aware of something that needs changing and then finding those resources or those pathways to actually do something about it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I have um, been teaching grad students for a while too. And I tell them that they are now in the position where they can make change. So if you see something and you wonder why it is, or you want to change it, like you're a grad student. And so people listen to you. And so do it, just change it. And that's not, you don't even have to be a grad student, but you know, we can see kids making change. So just do it.
2: Like so, it. <laughs> so did you read that over at um, LMU? Because No, it was okay. earlier.
1: I read it in college. Yeah. Okay. Which did is why asked? I became a teacher.
2: So. that's that book changed my entire life. Yeah. Um, and just so that the, um, just so that the listeners know your, your, your Twitter is at, is at Vieira underscore Robin. And yes. that's R O B Y N. Yes. With a
1: Y. Yes.
0: Awesome. Robin, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for all of your work with your students and teachers and making a difference in the world It's so inspiring. So thanks for sharing that with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yes. Aloha.
1: Aloha. Mahalo.